Workday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined by JP Ong. As Lisa Stansfield said, change. There wasn't much change, though. This whole week's been more in the red than not. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the odd even scheme seems to be in effect again. Monday's red, Tuesday's green, and today, Wednesday, hump day. Uh, forget hump day. We've, it seems we've, we've hit a bit of a, a pothole here. And that back down to 3,247. This could be the prevailing theme again in terms of markets. Just dancing around 3250 at the mm-hmm. moment, dipping, rising, dipping again today. We're at 3247 at the moment, right. down by about 0.6%. When value turnover again, uh, it's still relatively good 519 million Singapore dollars total, trades changing hands. But it is a day of pullback from markets across the region. You look at what's happening in Japan, Australia. Nobody's really been spared today except for the Shenzhen Bourse. They're up by 0.2%, but everyone else, Taiwan, Korea, um, out in Hong Kong. Take a look at the Hang Seng down by about 565 points. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. One of the issues and one of the things that investors were watching out for overnight was a policy speech delivered by none other than uh, U.S. President Donald Trump before the Economic Club of New York. And folks were hoping for more details about the trade deal that he's trying to strike with with China. Was that the one where he called them the biggest cheater? Um, uh, I've lost count of how many many times he's actually called them or alluded to China as being a, a great cheater. But he did say that they're, they're still hopeful of a trade deal moving forward, but mm. no details really. Yeah. Again, from him, all he said, and I think what what caught markets, uh, what made markets shudder a little bit, was that I am willing to impose additional tariffs if we do not come to this phase one deal. So him again, uh, perhaps just a little bit of saber rattling mm. before this, also, and just uh, again, uh, just again, dampening optimism that may, will this trade deal actually happen before the end of the year or not, or will both of them suddenly piss each other off and both of them walk away and suddenly bring tariffs back on the table? Remember mm-hmm. by mid by mid. December, there's another round of tariffs that could come online from the U.S. on Chinese goods. Um, Speaking to Shane Oliver last Monday, he did say that uh, he thinks that there's going to be some last-minute grumbling and and the complaining, I guess, from the American president before he puts pen to paper. And this is just him going through some of these motions. But it seems that these words are a bit fighting or veering on fighting words Well, he's from his not part. in a very good mood, is he? I he's, mean, well, he appeared at a speech in New, York, in New York and in the building across from him. Yes. It was impeach and convict. It's absolutely. It, on the and office does, tower. And, it, and again, it sets the, the mood. Again, this is... Uh, I, I think one thing we can agree on is uh, this is one of the more emotional American presidents we've seen in a long time, if not ever. And just one little thing, kind of reminds me of my president, but I digress. Um, <laughs> I, uh, back, in, back in Manila, but I digress. Um, uh, the, this, is, uh, this is, I think, is what's keeping markets a bit on edge at the moment and, and encouraging this slight sell-off we're seeing across the region. Nikkei 225, as we mentioned, Japan, from Tokyo, Taipei, Sydney to Seoul to Shanghai. Pretty much everybody pretty much is down, in the red. Pretty much down so far, and it's hitting markets here also. And not to mention, again, the, uh, the ramp-up of the tensions in Hong Kong, and it is keeping a lot of folks on edge at the moment. A number of banks, I think it was reported by some of our correspondents here also, that a number of banks have continued to issue warnings in Hong mm-hmm. Kong, closing up branches and saying, hey, you and your family, stay safe. We don't know what's going to happen moving forward. And the violence just continuing to ratchet up. There are concerns that the hawks or the more hardline uh, policymakers in Beijing might take the escalation violence to actually make a move. And now I'm not saying that this is going to happen uh, at all, but uh, we, this is, it's been a while since we've seen the temperatures in Hong Kong be this elevated it, it's throughout this protest. I mean, someone was set on fire, for, for heaven's sake, right? And, yeah. and someone else was shot. 
very sad to see this happen, actually. And, uh, you know, it's very we- sad to see this happening anywhere. It's rather worrying to see it happening so close to home. Exactly. And I think what's also concerning also is that there is, I, it has a reason broken down between both sides mm-hmm. have, as emotions, to have emotions taking the better of both. And, well, patience uh, has definitely frayed. I mean, I think fa- patience frayed about 10, 10 miles ago. <laughs> so. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's it's hard to to huckle at that, but it's it's concerning. I think I think you're seeing it reflected with the, with the Hang Seng because you've seen the Hang Seng bounce back over the last couple of weeks, be, uh, as markets were saying, oh, you know, things might start to calm down. But sure. this is a different ball game, and these gains that they made over the last four weeks, which were rather impressive, actually, they could be wiped out uh, in the course of the next five days sure. if it continues, right? And uh, it is affecting a number of, of stocks, property stocks out in, in Hong Kong for uh, out in Hong Kong, developers, mall operators, and particular, all quivering at the moment. Well, if you're a tourist and you could choose to go somewhere else, maybe Hong Kong's not high on your list of destinations right now either because you don't want to get embroiled in that. I think I don't think so either. And uh, mind you, I did come from Hong Kong a few weeks ago. It was right. relatively calm. And there was a sense and a number of my, uh, at least my, co- my, my former colleagues and, and friends out in Hong Kong have said, you know, as long as you know how to avoid, uh, avoid some of these hot spots, life goes on pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of mine actually welcomed his, uh, his siblings and his mom from Spain who visited him in Hong Kong. And they were like, right. and all smiles when you look at the, at the pictures, actually. The other day, uh, a former colleague of mine uh, was walking home and said she got a little bit of tear gas in her eyes. And this right. is the first time she's ever mentioned that. Generally, when I follow her feed, I won't tell you who this friend of mine is. Sure. It's generally food. It's generally um, pictures of Hong Kong buildings. Um, this is the first time she's actually indicated that she got a little bit of tear gas in her eyes. Well, so this it's, is it's, the, it's, it's, it's hitting close to home, at least for me. You know, this is the problem because they haven't gotten whatever their points are across. So they are going to ratchet up the violence. They're going to, you know, spread their message in any way that they can. There is no calming things down and tampening things down no. anymore. And that's the problem. And it, it's also interesting. This is when it gets dangerous. And, what, and I'll add a little bit more fuel to that fire that, that we hope gets put out anytime soon. Uh, Bloomberg had a very interesting article the other day about how fake news is ratcheting up the violence and disinformation mm. and the tensions in Hong Kong for both sides, actually. In fact, there's a lot of misinformation um, that's, uh, that's coming to mainland readers, the, the people, the protesters in Hong Kong, even the international press. Sure. And uh, you're seeing these knee-jerk reactions amplifying on the streets there. And I think it's... Uh, uh, you, you just hope that folks can at least find time to defuse the bomb or, I, or the, or the social know, I, bomb. That's, I have that's, no, that's... no horse in, in this race. or I have, do I. I have no yeah. opinion either way because I don't have a right to one. Mm-hmm. But I, I do kind of feel quite uh, bad for well, Ms. Carrie Lam well, because well, I, I, what a horrible position well, to be in. Well, I think we in. all have a right to an opinion, right? But I think... Uh, Not one I would share on air. But uh, <laughs> of, cor- uh, of course, that's number one. But I think right now, what the the, the real opinion that matters right now are, are the people who are affected, who live sure. and consider Hong Kong their home and also and these parties. So we will respectfully at least say that, okay, at this point, I think this opinion matters. And as journalists and mm-hmm. as folks of the media, it's our responsibility to toe the line and be responsible and keep our opinions in check while we try to make sure we get down to the bottom of things in Hong Kong. And it's getting harder because of all of this political, these layers of uh, political emotion and uh, just tempers also flaring out there. Yeah, but like I said, I, I kind of feel bad for Ms. Carrie Lam. I wouldn't want to be in her shoes for oh, a zillion dollars. It's not easy being a, uh, a, a female head of st- head of state or, or leader of a region. I mean, we saw what happened to Theresa May in, in the UK, sure. for instance. And But this one, I think you can argue, is uh, more it's, challenging. It's a hairier, it's yeah. a hairier situation for it because we're talking about actual violence. Because you can't win. No, difficult. You, you, I mean, you really talk about the, hard, the rock and the hard place yeah, right now. Absolutely. Yeah. But since we're on the subject of Hong Kong, 
Alibaba wants to sell shares there. Oh, no, absolutely. And Alibaba is still going back to uh, the Hong Kong markets. It seems that uh, they have one approval from the Hong Kong exchange to list out in Hong Kong. This could be a share sales that could raise at least $10 billion from, for Alibaba. As we mentioned, Alibaba just coming off of Singles Day as well. They did make about, what is it, $38, $40 billion yeah. in sales. And they actually said that it's a sign that, sale, that, that the sales was actually starting, the sales growth is starting to slow. For Alibaba, which could be the more worrisome uh, aspect of these uh, of, of the results of, of Singles Day, but I, but going back to this, they're looking to list also in Hong Kong, and uh, and they have gained this also, and they're trying to raise this much all on the exchange. But it's a very interesting time for them to go back into the Hong Kong markets also, and why Hong Kong in particular at this time? Perhaps they took some strength from some of the other IPOs that revived ESR ESR Read for one, um, Budweiser APAC that that launched in Hong Kong. Um, generally, the Hong Kong exchange has seen the IPO pipeline crank back up over the mm-hmm. third quarter and over the month of October. Perhaps Alibaba just wanted to get in on this before uh, before the year ends. And uh, but uh, again, the timing is very interesting because while they might need this this kind of uh, this fundraising exercise, it could be very well be possible that Alibaba is ramping up for another big major expansion or push into another market, another product vector. Who knows what's what's in the mind of, of Jack sure. Ma and his management, right? It's a very sensitive time to do this also. And I wonder if this is, just highlights how much of a risk taker some of these uh, leaders at Alibaba are at the moment. Or maybe they have a crystal ball. Yes. And this also, if this brings 10 to $15 billion, this could be a bit of a shot in the arm for the Hong Kong economy, which is in a recession. A lot of this money coming into the Hong Kong markets, into the, into the Hong Kong exchange also, could also boost their chances once again. But can an Alibaba listing of this size actually lift the growing negative sentiment that's hitting Hong Kong markets and investors as we speak. That is a question that you're going to keep your eye on. Mm, Absolutely. All right. Now, you know, recently I've been interviewing a lot of people from the palm oil industry, one of the big players being Cargill. And so this was interesting to me that Bumi Tama Q3 profits were down. Yes. Uh, Bumitama uh, Q3 profits were down. Wilmar International, though, the other day, re- uh, the other day also reporting their, their earnings. And again, this comes down to oil, the palm oil prices really sagging over the last right. couple of quarters. They're not the only ones, though. When you look at Golden Agri Resources, which, released, um, their, which releases their earnings tomorrow, mm-hmm. over the last couple of quarters, they've been one of the more challenged STI members also, all down to this, palm, this decrease, decline in palm oil prices. Well, Here's the thing, though. Over the last couple of weeks, and when you follow um, uh, when you follow the new, the news flow from the commodity space, Malaysian spot palm oil prices have actually hit some of their highest in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Also, on one hand, you know we could be seeing a bit of a reversal and maybe a setup for better revenues and better earnings for the likes of Bumitama, for the mm-hmm. likes of for Golden Agri, and maybe even Wilmar International sure. uh, moving forward. But uh, it also shows just how delicate and how volatile these oil prices are. Sure. Also, these these companies, it's arguable that the where the level of palm oil prices are going to dictate whether or not their earnings uh, boom or bust mm-hmm. in any quarter. Just shows again how volatile these these companies are. And I think one of the key things when you're evaluating some of these companies is to look at how dependent they are on palm oil because it's a good business still. Never sure. uh, make no mistake, it's still a good business. But if you're di- if you're not properly diversified to withstand some of these short term uh, dips or, or falls in in palm oil, it's been one of the more volatile commodities to track over the last year. It's a question you want to ask at least some of some of the managers. Well, uh, well, th- it seems volatility is here to stay with palm oil prices. How are we managing this? Are there other vectors? Are there other agricultural commodities that you're actually dipping into at the moment? Are you getting into 
other businesses perhaps to help mitigate the, these shocks. So, so this is a question you might want to. We will have to ask the Bumitamas, the Golden Agries, the Wilmars of the world, and a lot of them also with significant operations or even listings here in Singapore, as we just as we just listed. Actually, uh, one of the questions that I ask a lot of these companies, these palm oil companies that. I do interview is what are their sustainability practices because that's going to play into how their stocks do with people starting to be more socially conscious. Mm, I think uh, th- that's going to be something in the long term. I think there's also a lot of, uh, it's not just people or mm-hmm. the, or societies that are asking for more, uh, I guess, environmental uh, just consciousness. consciousness and, uh, and uh, responsibility. Yes. Right? from some of these companies, but there's also pressure from governments. Uh, one sure. of the big flashpoints in politics right now is also the the, uh, si- the, the slight fraying of uh, relations between the European Union and Malaysia and Indonesia mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of these bans on palm oil prices. And Indonesia and Malaysia have threatened, well, you know what, we're going to take a page out of the Trump administration and threaten to diverge from, and, and try to distance ourselves from uh, decouple from the European economy also and impose our own tariffs and sanctions on them. Um, it, whether or not either is effective or whether or not both sides cool their heads, I mean, it's just a sign again that, you know, palm oil is a very sensitive uh, commodity because it, it, it's, it's, it's still a significant portion of a uh, driver, at least, for the Indonesian and Malaysian economies sure. also. So, yes, we can call for sustainability practices from these, from these companies, but uh, whether governments can actually support that, whether the companies can go, but wait, we, we have our, these targets, we have these growth targets that we're responsible to for our investors, mm-hmm. for the people we employ, for the economies that we work in. It's not as, I guess, uh, and this is something you probably know, it's not as simple as just saying, hey, um, let's be more environmentally responsible. Or Actually, what was really surprising with that is a lot of them are very environmentally responsible. Mm. They are practicing sustainable farming, some of them. Well, um, and I won't name them because you that's, should listen to my segment, The Soul of Business, I, if you want to find <laughs> out. <laughs> well, here's uh, let me just add very quickly to that also. Um, some of the investment managers I've spoken to on across the ASEAN from mm-hmm. Indonesia have actually said that uh, the shakedown, at least, or the crackdown on palm oil, some of these bigger palm oil producers, the Syme Darbys, the sure. Golden Agries, they're actually welcoming it a bit because they believe that they're getting a bad rap, not because, they, and they believe that a lot of these unsustainable environmental practices are coming from the smaller scale producers mm-hmm. who sure. are not being raided and they're giving them a bad rap. It kind of reminds me of what's going on with the mining industry in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. When you look at that, the parallel there is that there's been uh, my president, uh, the pres- president Duterte there, whether you like him or not, he's been relatively hard on the mining industry because of the environmental impact sure. there. And a lot of the miners are telling him, hey, you know what? It's not us. When you look at our, our ESR pr- practices and our and, and our sustainability practices, they're good. It's the smaller miners that are that are killing yeah, the rivers. Yeah, they have to deal with their compliance properly. Exactly. And so I, it's, it's very interesting to see that there's a parallel that's happening across the other side of the ASEAN, mm-hmm. especially in uh, the palm oil industry where the Syme Darbys, the Golden Agries of the world are saying, hey, you know what, we're actually on top of things. So now let us tell you what we actually do. Yeah, but whether or not they really are, whether it's a corporate spin, that's for us to find out as well, right? That's for us to find out. All right, so the rest of the day, I'm hoping that there is a little tint of green on our SDI. I really doubt it. <laughs> I really doubt it. I think. This oh, is... you're such a Debbie Downer today. Well, it's not me. It's it's the American president. I mean, right <laughs> now, whatever he says will set the tone for sentiment moving forward until we get to that interim trade deal, if we ever get to that. Well, mm. okay. Then, <laughs> on happier news, let's see. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I do have something. 
You the, are wearing you are wearing red today, which is probably I, I why the market am, is red. I am. I am. I am. I am interviewing the Speaker of Parliament later. Oh, today. very interesting. So I'm being all you know Singaporean. Mm, very, yeah. very, very fascinating. And of course, uh, you know, a lot of strands coming out of the Singapore FinTech Festival from mm-hmm. some of our economic mm-hmm. managers. Perhaps something I don't know if that's something that the Speaker can speak to also. Uh, later on, but uh, it will be interesting to see where our lawmakers and where uh, Singapore's uh, leaders, political leaders, are how we're how we're positioning ourselves going into the into the next year. Okay, so, well, yeah. maybe I need to get you the uh, <laughs> Minister of Finance, and you can ask him those questions. I'd be delighted to. I'd be delighted to. <laughs> All right. This has been Market View. I'm Clarissa Montero. He's JP Ong. You're Money FM eighty nine point three. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.